You're listening to The Local Maximum, episode 236. Time to expand your perspective. Welcome to The Local Maximum. Now, here's your host, Max Sklar. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. You've reached another Local Maximum. We have Aaron today. Aaron, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. You know, I if you told me like an hour ago we would be recording this, I'd be like, no way. I am about to completely collapse after my trip back, uh, drive back from Connecticut. But somehow I am, and it was so hot today. I've had brain fog all week. I don't know about you. Well, your 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 lack of performance is, is unacceptable. The viewers demand more. Uh, you got to <laughs> step it up. All right, all right. Well. Uh, Today we have a few news stories. I didn't build expertise on any of these issues, but I think a lot of these stories raise questions and raise issues that we're going to maybe talk about on the locals. And then we have a probability distribution of the week, which is kind of cheap this week. But um, hey, we got to get through. There wasn't one last week, right? Oh, no. Yeah, I'm not doing them with the interviews. I mean, I guess I could do them with the interviews. I I was just making sure that I didn't miss something there. Okay. Okay. So So quick update. Yeah, quick update on an old story that we were following. Uh, Got to find which uh, which episode that was because it was a very recent episode. I think like three or four episodes ago on um, Blake Lemoyne, the uh, the Google engineer who said that um, who said that uh, 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 their Lambda chatbot is sentient. Right, that was episode two thirty. So uh, you know, about a month and a half ago. And, um, okay, update is he was fired by Google. Uh, Google claims that, uh, you know, they worked with him on the sentient stuff, which they say is, uh, there's, you know, I mean, it's a bunch of crap, but they say, like, uh, we find the allegations to be completely unfounded, you know, talk like that. Um, And uh, they they cite their reasoning to be security leaks. He was leaking security, he was leaking, um, you know, information about how the system works that he shouldn't have been leaking. Um, fine. I can't help but notice the long string of public layoffs at Google due to some kind of festering crazy culture at Google, but that seems to be the way it is. Anyway, I just wanted to update on that article. I don't have much the, to say the only The only hot take I have to drop on that is is that he managed to secure legal representation for the AI, but he uh, apparently didn't think through the repercussions of his involvement. Uh, and I'm sure he has legal representation now, but uh, it, it doesn't sound like he saw this coming. Who's the legal representation for the AI? I I I don't know uh, what firm is is doing it, but I, I remember that that was a piece of the story. Was that uh, and and it's I can't remember whether he uh, asked the the uh, was it Lambda if if it wanted legal representation or if Lambda uh, proposed the idea uh, itself. Uh, but but that was a question that was asked and answered in the affirmative. Uh, and uh, I'm I'm sure the. Uh, that legal counsel was secured via either, uh, you know, pro bono or or some sort of, uh, uh, you know, GoFundMe type type deal. I I don't think that Lambda has been uh, hustling Nigerian print scams uh, on the back end in order to pay for its legal services. Hmm. Well, that's fascinating. although I I could be proven wrong there. <laughs> I mean, yeah, so, so these firings and, and, and scandals are just so different at Google than they are at other companies. Like, you know, Facebook recently, or not Facebook, uh, Coinbase recently had somebody, um, you know, who's, um, who's in trouble for insider trading. Um, 
Not good at all, but I could wrap my head around how that would happen. But, you know, Google, anywhere from like James Damore to Tim uh, Jebru to uh, this guy, Lemoyne, just what? The, I asked the same question as I asked in episode 230. What the heck is going on in there? And um, why are the nuttiest people working on the future of AI? Um, and uh, I... I I gave some possible answers there. I don't want to rehash it, but uh, that's what I want to re-ask once again. Um, So speaking of Facebook, I mentioned Facebook because that's one of the articles out today. Uh, This is from the Wall Street Journal. There's another one coming out of, I think, The Verge and other tech press type places. Facebook shifts resources from news to focus on creator economy. So what? first of all, my, my first question was like, what's the difference between the two? Um, just a little insight into what the article says. This is based on a memo that went out from executive Campbell Brown to the company. So it's like an internal memo. They're de-emphasizing the news tab. I don't know if there's an actual tab. I guess there is, uh, which news stories gets put out and bulletin, which is their blogging newsletter platform, a la Substack competing with Substack. Um, now you might think i you know what? The first thing that I thought was news feed um, which is a very old thing from Facebook. I mean, that, that is the whole Facebook is the news feed now. Um, this is not the news feed. This is more the news tab. So this is actually kind of a more recent thing they're getting rid of, um, sort of a, a Lindy effect type uh, situation where the more recent things are more likely to get rid of. This is something like Facebook News was started in 2019, um, I don't remember that, but, um, you know, that was to uh, get, you know, paid news stories and, um, uh, uh, I guess, professional news organizations to get news into Facebook. Why 2019? Um, well, I, I think I, that I, was perhaps part of their uh, their effort to, to, A, rehabilitate their image post-2016 and, and B, uh, to help fortify the election for 2020 yeah. was that we're going to invest in good news reporting um given given that before that there'd been a lot of accusations that the the model facebook was using for basically uh repost they, they were getting all the clicks for news stories for other news outlets uh, in a way that was basically uh intercepting all of the ad revenue that the that you know uh, New York Times or 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 whatever outlet would have uh, liked to have have captured. Uh, right, right, um, and and yeah, no, I do think that the the political angle is is a factor here, and it's kind of interesting now that the election is over. It's more easy for them to kind of say, "All right, this is not making us a lot of money. Let's slowly back off." Uh, but let's look. There are other angles to this. I mean, one of the things they are saying is that. Um, you know, a lot of uh, places internationally are uh, like other com- countries are, are passing laws that makes it very expensive to them to provide the news. They're they're saying they have to pay for it. They have to pay certain amounts for it. I wonder if those types of laws are having an unintended effect of kind of depriving these news sources of exposure in Facebook because now Facebook just taking them out. I'm trying uh, to remember if it was Australia or another. I think I think it was somewhere in the uh, in the Pacific region. Uh, that had passed a, a law along those lines, and and Facebook basically said, "Okay, fine, no news uh, in that country. We, it, it's yeah. too complicated. So if you want news, you Australia. can't get it through Facebook." Um, which, which, uh, ex- exactly to what you said that 
maybe maybe putting it in terms of exposure isn't the right the right way to couch it, but but essentially uh, everybody's gotten used to uh, finding this information through the uh, the Facebook portal, uh, so to speak. Uh, and and if you turn that tap off, uh, that that people have adapted to using that infrastructure. They can't just flip a switch and go back to the way it was in 2019 before Facebook, you know, kind of started uh, sucking all the air out of the room. Yeah. So, I mean, that that raises the question. Then, what happens now? What do things look yeah. like? To, uh, to now? mix my metaphors, uh, you know, you've you've had someone who's been on. Uh, uh, antibiotic medication for for a, an extended period of time, and you say, "Well, yeah, antibiotics probably not a great idea. It might develop resistance, so we're just going to stop giving it to you." Uh, but it's not like they've developed any natural resistance in the meantime. But it, so it does sound like that they're going back to this creator economy. Uh, isn't that trying to go back to 2019? Um, isn't that what it was? Um, so I, I I mean, but so what's it going to look like now? And who is a content creator? Like, are we not content creators here on the local maximum? Um, what they're looking for, though, is not kind of the long form um, um, type stuff that we put. They're looking for short video content, something like TikTok, something like Instagram videos, which they have. They own Instagram. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, I mean... <laughs> TikTok apparently is eating everyone's lunch. I don't know. Snapchat, the the company is down 39% this week. Their stock, um, they cite competition from TikTok as a reason. Uh, and um, their ad revenue is down. They launched so, Snapchat Plus, which I don't, everyone just calls it Plus when they uh, want to have a, a, a premium uh, a, a service that you pay monthly for. I mean, it worked for we'll Apple, the... but I don't know if that generalizes. Yes, but it didn't quite work for CNN. <laughs> so, I don't know. So, when, when, when I was going through the notes before the show here uh, and, and saw this mention of kind of short form, uh, I, I raised the question, you know, is it, TikTok is the new hotness, so, so that's, they're, they're trying to replicate that. Um, yeah. But, but you pointed out TikTok is not that new. They've been around for, what, five plus years. And and the fact that I, as someone who's not on the platform, someone who's not even on Facebook, uh, you know, yeah. in my in my late thirties, uh, is is aware of this and asking that question probably means that they've jumped the shark. Um, you know, <laughs> kind of like when I mean, uh, was was there that famous uh, J P Morgan quote about like when the shoe shine boy is giving you stock tips, it's time to get out of the market, um, or or. Hmm. Similarly, you know, if, if you're getting uh, uh, crypto tips from your Uber driver, uh, it, it, it might be time for a crash. Right. So, yeah, the, the fact that, that people like me or uh, journalists or people who, who don't particularly want to be on Snapchat, but have realized it's a big deal. And, you know, for my business or whatever, I need to get on there are moving to join the the platform means that that it's toast. Yeah. TikTok. It's, over. it's not cool anymore. I'm sorry. I, did I say Snapchat? Yeah. I meant yeah, TikTok. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, uh, Snapchat so is out. Snapchat is, uh, I mean, the whole idea that Snapchat is imploding, I, I'm like, didn't it implode like five years ago? I, I yeah, but uh, I, I, this TikTok story is still going on, but nothing's replaced it. So it still is the big thing. Like, I, I, I mean, not, not I, saying invest in I'm it. I'm sure but. there's something else out there, but, but I'm not cool enough to know what it is. And I won't until okay, it's, maybe until I, it's way, way further on the, uh, the hype curve. Right. So what are these short videos are going to be? Are they going to be very informative? I can't um, I can't imagine they will be. Will they be cat videos, hot takes kind of will they be political memes? Um, 
So I, 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 I don't see this going in a very good direction for society well, I, as actually, Facebook always makes the wrong decision there. So, so the other place that I've seen this and, uh, do, are, are you a, uh, a Netflix subscriber? Yes, I am. So, so, uh, on the Netflix app, if you're, if you're looking like on your phone, they, I, I forget what they call it. Is it like Netflix shorts or something? But, but basically it's, it's their attempt at doing, um, like a, a, a TikTok style feed of, of short little clips. So a lot of it is, is, uh, funny moments from movies or, you know, a single joke from a comedy special, uh, with, with the goal of you see something that, that catches your attention there and then you'll go watch the whole thing. Uh, but but it's just kind of a, a continuous stream of that, and so they're they're trying to get in on on whatever the the secret sauce is here. And maybe I'm not the target audience, but it doesn't really work for me. So I I don't know if that's a, a general failure or or a uh, you know a, yeah. a, a matter of they're going after someone other than than my demographic. Right, right. So um, there are two more points. Uh, one that you wrote here that we're going to make, and maybe there's the political angle too. Uh, one is the attention span that just keeps shrinking uh so what did you what did you have to say about yeah this? well so so i mean we've we've heard a lot about this with uh going from from long form to shorter form in in the general news reporting but yeah. also with all you know, twitter about. becoming uh the the kind of the medium through which many people get their news so our are people's attention spans just continually shrinking? Or is this one of those things that, that we, people, you know, you, you can go back and you can find news articles talking about decreasing attention span going back to the Victorian age. Uh, yeah. And it looks like there, there might be some truth to it. Uh, I found a, a, a recent uh, infographic in an article that, that cites that uh, according to research uh, in, in 15 years, so from, from uh, 2020 to, I, I guess it must've been a study in 2015, uh, attention span went from 12 seconds uh, down to eight and a quarter seconds. Um, so a, a significant redundancy, not not quite a uh, 25% reduction there, but uh, right. but close. Or, I'm pretty me, not, sure. Not quite a, a third reduction. But, I'm pretty uh, sure in 2000, people were talking about how attention spans have gone down since 1980. So yeah, well, just, and, and I don't it's, think it's, it's possible just because we've been saying it for that long doesn't mean it's wrong. It could be that it's yeah. we're just continually shrinking. Oh, or, no, no, no. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's my a, a, that's a, what a I bias. Think. But uh, yeah. the, the other fun, fun tidbit they, they threw out is that uh, uh, based on those averages, uh, Human beings in those study now have a, a shorter attention span than a goldfish who clocked in at uh, at nine seconds for uh, oh my God. focus on task. So yeah, I, I, again, <laughs> I, I have not followed through on the uh, the sources they cited for that and read the actual study, uh, but uh, it, it it it's not a good look. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what do these changes that Facebook um, is making? How, how will they affect the elections? Um, it doesn't. I mean. It, it well, and, seems and like they're, they're going to take for... their fingers off the scale, and then it's just going to be what meme lords are going to be running, uh, are, are going to be... No, 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 no. Uh, they said content like... creators, not that kind of content. But that is a con- kind of content. I mean, I'm sure they also do censorship and moderation and all that, so... Yeah, it's... It, it's, it's if, if they are making the As decision always. to kind of reverse course there uh, with, with some political... Uh, insight, uh, not not implying that it's purely political. I, I would imagine it probably has more to do with the bottom line. But uh, yeah. this this does seem like they do have a less control of an, now. Un, a, yeah. a little bit of an unusual point 
uh, point in time to make that decision as as we're about to to enter into the the you know primaries for the midterms. I I, yeah. I got my uh, you know request your ballots by mail flyer the other day. Uh, so it's th- things are going to heat up, but maybe maybe they've decided that midterms don't really matter in the same way that a, a presidential election does. And so this is the the best timing they're going to have to try and distance themselves from from the mess yeah. that was news reporting on their and platform. Even though they can censor content creators and, you know, do all all the good stuff, <laughs> not so good stuff like uh, like, you know, shadow ban and whatever. Just by allowing independent content creators and uh, making that the focus versus paid, you know, respectable news sources, they're giving up some control. Um, and so uh, I, I do think that's going to have an effect. Yeah, well, and, I do think and, and, and maybe this is just an extension of uh, I, I, I'm sure we've talked on the show before about uh, Facebook's huge involvement in fact checking uh, and, and how they were you know, in a partnership with was it? Was it Snopes for a while and some other people? Mm. Um, and and uh, it sounds like they've more or less washed their hands of that. Uh, and so this this may just be a, a further step down that path to to they they tried it. It it cost them more than it was worth, and they they just want to get away from it while they can. Uh, and, that and- would be a good um, development, actually, a very surprising development because uh, that would be a huge like bucking of the trend that we've seen over the last six years it'll be very interesting to see if if it sticks yeah yeah all right another um topic this is perhaps the most serious topic we have today uh has there been a huge setback in alzheimer's research um and is this related to the reproducible science crisis the article here is a neuroscience image sleuth finds signs of fabrication in scores of Alzheimer's articles, threatening a reigning theory of the disease. Now, before we talk about this, I need to say I am not, uh, people think I know everything. I do not know everything. And I'm particularly, (laughs) have a particular blind spot in some of these um, medical uh, journal type, um, uh, um, uh, medical type information where I have trouble um, interpreting what's going on. Like, I'm just not up to date on the science. But anyway, um, I I think we can say a lot of people are talking about this article, and it seems to be significant. The author is Charles Piller. The whistleblower in question he's talking about is neuroscience researcher Matthew Schrag. And from my understanding is that they found some that at the core of research in Alzheimer's, going back to 2006 and maybe even further, there are somehow... And I, I couldn't figure out how those got there. Manipulated images that are forming the core of the of the data at the the basis of this research. And these manipulated images didn't occur in like from like one study. They they occurred in some different places. Uh, it calls into paper this question from uh, uh, calls into question this paper from 2006. The title of the paper is I'm going to have trouble pronouncing it. A specific amyloid Beta protein assembly in the brain impairs memory. So they're talking about what causes Alzheimer's. Could they have got that wrong? And could this mean many years of lost research? So if this is as significant as they say, this is kind of, um, this is, well, it's fascinating, scary, and, uh, uh, and sort of it, it, it very thought-provoking. 
the quote from um, Matthew Schrag is, you can cheat to get a paper, you can cheat to get a degree, you can cheat to get a grant. You can't cheat to cure a disease. Biology doesn't care. Uh, so I found that quote interesting, um, and I have some takeaways on this story. I, I don't know, understand all the science. One of my... Um, one thing that I'd be interested in having explained to me is, well, first of all, how did these manipulated images get there? Do we even know? Um, and then secondly, like, why couldn't this have been figured out? So so not in this specific case, but I know there have been instances of uh, papers that, that people have gone through after the fact and and uh, analyzed them. In fact, in some cases, using AI to, to try and do this analysis and search for these particular things but where like your your control image and your test image uh it turns out they're actually the same that they just mirror image flipped one of them uh and and so what what looks like a uh, so you're a, training and test not 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 for ai testing but oh. but, but I, I think that that ai helped them identify where this happened because okay. it's not always obvious to the naked eye but that the person running the test basically falsified some of their data and literally used their their you know, so, so, so they, they use the same results in multiple places and, you know, rotated images or flipped it or slightly tweaked it so that it looks like you have, uh, many instances of something to, to corroborate your findings, but it's actually just the same result being shown over and over again. Mm. And, and I don't know if that's specifically the type of thing that happened here, but, but that's, that's a, a known failure mode that, that has, has, snuck through peer review in the past um and a ai may be a tool for helping to catch some of those types of things particularly uh you know with with uh, image recognition and analysis but but it could also be a tool uh for making better fakes yeah so one of my questions is is this related to the replication crisis in science or is there something else going on here because the replication science in, in uh, crisis in science is that um papers and seminal results are not going on to be replicated or people are or labs are having trouble replicating published results and you know if that's true is that even really science and you know yeah, I, why and, if this if paper the, is saying something why didn't someone try to um, repeat the experiment somewhere else and and if this foundational paper was was published in in 2006 that that would fit in the right time frame for kind of when when all of these all of this work that w that later went on to be uh, to fail to replicate was being done. Although hmm. replication crisis stuff, you tend to hear a lot more of it in like the social sciences uh, and and less yeah. in biology. Uh, and maybe that maybe that's just because we haven't been looking. That there's there's potentially you know, a, hmm. a treasure trove of uh, biological findings to be to be overturned because of a, a lack of of attempts at replication. Yeah. Yeah, um, but but this is this is where having somebody who who's uh, better steeped in in this particular vein of biology would would be useful because uh, it's you I would naively think that if they're building off of this science uh, for further research, either that further research would completely fail because they're building it off of a false premise. Or, or or something else. There's, there's got to be another twist to it. There, <laughs> they got to that, drugs. They were giving people drugs that apparently didn't work. Well, uh, eventually. So that's... that 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 gets into a whole thing with with uh, pharma and and effectiveness. Yeah. and and they the were way... 
trials so, and studies are run there. But I, I, my understanding is they were reducing that protein that they that these guys were saying causes Alzheimer's, but it actually wasn't solving the problem. Hmm. So that's uh, yeah, that that that's an issue. Um, well, and and in a field where where there is no no you know there's there's no really solid treatment for Alzheimer's, so they might. They they might have thought they were chasing something that had you know a, a small but but measurable uh, level of of of, uh, of effectiveness, uh, right? But but really it was all noise. Mm. Mm. Okay, yeah, yeah, I could see that. But um, <laughs> again, how, uh, you, you'd like to think that um, this type of thing couldn't really happen, but um, yeah, I guess it could. Um, so I think that this highlights the need for more careful epistemology in data science, more careful data science conclusions in general, um, which Bayesian inference can obviously help with and a lot of other things. And of course, you know, one of the things the article mentions, image manipulation is checked for a lot more than it was in the 2000s. So there might be something to be said about like, how do you go back um, and look for problems from before we check the problems, but I'm not entirely sure what to say about that. Well, yeah, and and that that again is is a key issue of the re- reproducibility crisis. It's how how far back do we have to go and do everything over to know that we're on a solid foundation of science? What what can we trust if there's been this uh, this this hint of of doubt inserted into the entire process? Um, well, I think of the solid foundation of science. Like if you talk about uh, quantum physics, for example, you know, you should be able to go to any university lab and demonstrate the double slit experiment. And like, you know, physics students should be able to do that uh, as part of like coursework or, or, or whatever. Um, so it, it, it's just out on the fringes. At some point, you're in an area of science where there are so few people that you're just not getting that, I guess. Yeah, or or where the uh, methods of of uh, experimentation are are less rigorous and concrete. Um, so so again, mm. the social science is is especially susceptible to this. Where if if your your data set is a hundred grad students and you're trying to generalize off of that, um, yeah, I, I think there was recently something about the whole whole uh, all the science around. Uh, uh, the the effectiveness of nudges uh, is is failing to replicate nudges. Um, uh, I, I I think the the idea of like periodic reminders for something being able to reinforce it, which which sounds truthy, uh, but but it, it it most certainly does. And 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 again, I have I haven't read deeply into this, but but it, it I I did see at least one headline talking about how it it had, it had failed to reproduce. Um, hmm. So that that doesn't mean there's nothing there, but uh, it probably means that that there were some overstated findings. Yeah. So before we go on, this reminded you of a couple things. Um, oh yeah. What? <laughs> so the, the, there, there's, there's. A, we we talked a little bit about AI and how AI might help to identify some of these these types of falsifications, but but AI also has the ability to maybe make uh, better fakes. Um, and mm, and okay. there there have been. Uh, Many recorded instances of of people uh, generating fake academic research papers. In, in fact, I found uh, looking back all the way in 2013, uh, looks like uh, IEEE had to pull uh, over 100 research papers that they were in the process of publishing uh, because they realized that that they were uh, generated using using uh, AI that that they were not actually written by the people who were submitting them, 
um, who who wanted to get some sort of a, a publication, uh, right. you know. Uh, so that uh, means that some credit. people are asleep at the switch in terms of what's getting published. I mean, this brings to mind this that other guy, uh, Peter Bogosian. I don't know if you remember that from a few years ago where he punked mostly yep. social science um, uh, journals into publishing things that were just completely made up garbage uh, that he posted. Uh, so um, Yeah, they, they were specifically yeah, uh, us- they were s- using... Trolling. Yeah, they, they were kind of trolling the woke there. Um, but, yeah. but it points to... to overall weaknesses in how the peer review process works. And, and, and I think that, that maybe raises a question that uh, peer review does not, ne- even when done properly, uh, there are some things that, that can't be caught by that process and, and require rigorous replication. Uh, and and how, how do you ensure right. that that happens? Or, so peer review is not replication. I, I don't believe so. I, th- I think it's, it's right. So it's it, literally other, you yeah. know, other scientists re- reviewing it and, and they may, they may call out, yeah, I, I don't think your methods are as rigorous here, or maybe you use the wrong, the wrong, you know, formula for your, your linear regression or whatever. Uh, but, but I don't think it's generally them taking your, your methods and then going and repeating it. That, that generally happens after publication or, or maybe a, you know, a, a, a preprint uh is is shared in the community but uh you know so so that the replications can be accelerated once the official release is out there gotcha yeah yeah it makes sense i mean it it seems like there has to be something salvageable in the academic uh method of doing things like you know i know I personally am like, I've never had something peer reviewed and it doesn't scare me. I mean, I kind of feel like I'm right. And I I don't need to hear from these bozos, but there has to be something correct about what they're doing, which has been, you know, developed over many, many years uh, in terms of how peer review works or is it breaking down? I don't know, but I, I, I feel like it's a good idea in general. We're just, we're running into some, uh, limitations let, let's say the the other concern and and this is speculation i don't know if this plays into the into this particular case but um if if your organization uh you know whether it's governmental or or an academic organization has funded a particular piece of research uh and then you're going to be more inclined to fund follow-on research related to that and if you're a scientist who's worked on some of this research you're going to be more inclined to you know go further down that that uh that that kind of tunnel vision is the right term for it, but, you know, f- further into depth in this, in this narrow area. And so uh, it, I, I could see that, that if, if it doesn't immediately get, get falsified or, or, or overturned, uh, you're going to have a whole cottage industry of people who are heavily invested in this specific field and type of research and uh, are, are unwilling to hear the, the uh, concerns that, well, you know, what, what if our base assumptions are incorrect and they say, but of course not. We've been working on this for a decade. How could that possibly be? Uh, and, I mean, and these you... types of stories, I, I mean, you know, I, I, I tend to sometimes go back and question things a little too much. And then this kind of this kind of story, whenever I see it, it sort of feeds into my unfortunate tendency. And it's it's just going to I'm just going to keep doing that. Well, it, 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 it puts me in mind of, of the quotation that I'm, I'm sure I'm going to butcher when I try to paraphrase it. And I, I 
don't know who to credit it to, but that you know science advances uh, by by the death of one scientist at a time because the the old guard has to to die off for uh, for the 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 young Turks to actually be able to to get past their their old ideas and raise new ones. Yeah. Oh well, I, I definitely have heard that before. Uh, <laughs> uh, could be, could be. All right. I think we're. I think we've got uh, through this. I apologize for all the yawning. Uh, this is what happens when you uh, do it at the end of the day of a hot uh, week. When, uh, when when I drove three hours. Let's get to the distribution of the week. So last time we talked about the categorical distribution. If you remember correctly, that is when you have a certain like finite number of events that are all mutually exclusive, and you're basically. Um, you know, you're basically assigning a probability of each one and the probabilities add up to one. Um, so you mentioned something even a little bit more basic or, or kind of a subset of this, which is I'm going to call the uniform categorical distribution. And that is we just assign everything the same probability. So if you have a, a die, you assign each side one-sixth probability, one six, one six, one six, one six, one six, one six, and that's your uniform categorical distribution. Um, you know, there could be many different categorical distributions that you could think of for that die, but there is only one uniform distribution, and so it's really a special case from last time. It's a categorical distribution where every probability is equal. So um, another way of thinking about it is the categorical distribution lives on a simplex you are smack in the middle of the simplex and you're not favoring any one. Um, so, okay, um, when is this good to use? The first one, the obvious one, is casino games and, like, math problems. So non-real-world problems. I guess casino games are real-world problems, but they are, they're sort of uh, artificially constructed. Uh, right. So, you know, yes, you flip a, flip a coin... Use the two-dimensional uh, uh, uniform categorical distribution, I guess, uh, which is essentially a 50-50. Uh, and, you know, if you have a die, whatever, if you have a roulette wheel at a casino, all the, all the spaces are equal. Or, you know, same with, uh, same with Wheel of Fortune. Um, you also want to use these when the problems are completely symmetric. So if you're given a math problem, and a probability problem, and you have four different outcomes. And essentially, if you permute the four different outcomes in the way they're stated in the problem, and there's no difference, then, then that's called symmetry. So there's, in other words, there's no reason to distinguish one from another. Um, then you could use this, uh, this uniform distribution. And should you use it as a prior, like... In, in a Bayesian prior, like, hey, I, I, I don't know how to distinguish between these five outcomes, so let's say they're all equal, and then we'll start getting information in on which one's true and which one might not be true. That could be a way to start, uh, but um, as we'll see in a minute, there are, uh, there are exceptions. There are not just exceptions. There, it probably is the exception uh, to say that just just... Uh, make everything equal and and make it a day. So, well, one one uh, thing that we do sometimes talk about when when we're we're uh, discussing you know kind of Bayesian statistics is uh, 
do you have a fair coin or, or is it a fair die? Uh, right. And so if you're trying to make that assessment, you start off with a six-sided die and you don't know if it's fair or not. Uh, it's it's probably best to uh, to use that uniform categorical distribution as your prior, uh, unless you have other outside information which which skews your your suspicions there, uh, and and then as well, your data deviates from that. Yes. Now, uh, of course, that's going to get a lot more complicated as we go on because you actually want to have at that point a distribution over the possible categorical distributions that represent the. Uh, the, the 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 die or the or the coin for the coin that would be you would use a beta distribution which you haven't gotten to yet so so yeah uh, that's sort of the 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 solution there um, and so right now we're talking about something where you're not trying to figure out the weight of the coin um, you literally just have two different possible states of the world that you're trying to distinguish between. Um, and so, yes, if you have a completely symmetric problem, you use the principle of indifference and say that um, they're equally likely. Um, but when should you be suspicious of this? Uh, first of all, if the number of, of events, the, the, you have a very high dimensional case, there's more likely to be structure in there and they're not equal probabilities. Um, so in other words, Maybe I have a hundred different cases, um, but uh, you know it could be that those are actually those can be embedded in some other you know some other space uh, where they have some structure related to each or or they could be organized like in, in some of them are more similar to each other uh, than other things. So, for example, if I'm looking for hypotheses um, and there's one that looks pretty plausible and then people give you 10 just ridiculous hypotheses that could be true but then they're all kind of variations on a theme you they, probably they're just trying to fill out the the possibility space yeah 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 you probably shouldn't rank them all as equal uh especially if if a bunch of them are variations on a theme because now you're just adding uh extra weight to that sort of variation uh, or, or that that class of, of of hypotheses. So that's that's a problem, and um, yeah, it, some problems, most problems are not completely symmetric, and even a small difference can kind of just th throw this to the wind. So I would say, be cautious in using um, these uniform categorical distributions, unless you're dealing with a very straightforward casino type games, um, and oftentimes in those games, it's like you know. It's not like you don't have to go through an entire uh, – the only Bayesian step is going from complete ignorance to what the die is going to end up as and then the answer. There's no in-between. I mean there might be like, uh, you know, if, I'm, if I hide what the die has and I say, oh, uh, if you add this to another die that I won't show you, it gets this number and maybe you could probably make up some – problem where you have some information on what the role was before you it's get it. It's a little but that's contrived, rare. though. Yeah, 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 exactly. So usually it's like, hey, I have complete indifference, complete... It's kind of obvious to, to um, figure out if I have a symmetric problem, like this uniform categorical distribution is going to be the correct prior to use. Um, and then usually in these kind of casino problems, it goes directly from complete ignorance to complete knowledge. 
I don't know what it is before I roll the die. After I roll the die, I know exactly what happened. And there's no kind of in-between where one is sort of increasing in probability and the others are decreasing. Uh, unless you kind of see as it rolls, maybe something is like spinning. But, you know, yeah, well, usually that's was, the case. Wasn't there something with Claude Shannon where he developed a, a method that he could uh, observe? Uh, I don't know if it was dice for for uh, for craps or if it was the roulette the the ball on the roulette wheel where he could make some sort of observation while it was in motion but before bets had to be had to be placed uh that, that would, would then probably allow be... him to more accurately predict yeah. what the outcome was going to be but but th- that would probably more likely be case. roulette than craps yeah. but i even in roulette i don't think it could do that maybe in like kind of a poorly designed roulette board uh, uh, I, I'll, so. I'll have to look it up because I, I think there was something he did with like a uh, computer hidden in his clothing and uh, a device huh. in his foot that he used to trigger something that he and his wife and oh gosh was it was it maybe Feynman uh, went went and tested in in casinos I'll, I'll have to look it up and we can throw it in the in the show notes yeah yeah uh, a, a last thing to um, point out is that if you're going to have a categorical distribution on a certain number of categories, doesn't matter, let's say K categories. If you want to think of a number, think 10 categories. Uh, This is the distribution with the maximum entropy. And the entropy is the expected uh, information gained by uh, finding the answer. So for example, if you were certain beforehand, if you were certain this coin was going to land on heads, and then you learn later that the coin is indeed landed on heads, you did not learn anything. Um, You got zero information out of that. This is information theory. Um, If you thought there was a 90% chance the the coin landed on heads and you learned that it in fact did, then the the amount uh, of information gain is like the... Uh, the minus log of 0.9, uh, but uh, let's not uh, let's not do it in our heads right now. But it's it's going to be pretty close to zero at that point because you're pretty sure. Um, if you want, but there was a 10% chance you had tails, and then you know you would have a high amount of entropy on that. You would be like, wow, I, I really wasn't expecting that. Um, so if um, if you want to maximize your expected uh, entropy or expected information learned, then this type of categorical distribution is uh, is 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 the, your maximum entropy. And you could think about that in terms of like data coming in from, um, uh, you know, let's say like information or data coming in. Let's say it's 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 from a computer and you're getting binary information, or maybe you're you're looking at characters. If certain characters are appearing more than other characters. Uh, then that's an indication that the um, uh, the, uh, the the data could be compressed a little bit more because um, each character is giving you less information than um, than, than than it could be. So, hmm. yeah, that's this is the uh, oftentimes you have a class of distributions and you want to ask what's the maximum entropy uh, one and so. Uh, this, 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 this is the maximum entropy one. Um, it's kind of related to, I feel like we've talked about this before, but I don't know exactly when. So, uh, it could have been in Huffman codes or, uh, it could have been in, I, I mean, I'm sure it was an in information theory. We did an episode on that, right? 
Uh, that was episode. Yeah. Um, it was a fractional bits episode nineteen. Let's go oh, all wow. the way back That's to way episode back. nineteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, with uh, uh, Daniel Cronovit, he was he was great. Uh, and um, yeah, so related to that. All right, so simple distribution this week. Um, I, I think. Uh, I think it's good, though, to uh, kind of overturn every stone in this and not try to... Uh, so, so there's, there's one other crazy. thing that, that I, I think is pretty neat about the, the uniform categorical distribution. And, and tell me if, if, if I should hold this thought for a future, future distribution discussion. Um, but if you take uh, the, kind of the, 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 the classic, uh, and, and usually the examples given in the context of Dungeons and Dragons, because they have all sorts of different you know, multi-sided die, but uh, even if you apply it to something as, as simple as classic Monopoly, uh, where uh, no longer are you rolling a single six-sided die, there you're generally rolling two six-sided die, uh, right. t- six-sided dice. Uh, and so even though the results of each individual die is this uniform categorical distribution, uh, when you are summing the results of two die, uh, two dice, uh, you get a very different uh, non-uniform uh, categorical yeah. distribution. It's kind uh, of a discrete triangular distribution. And 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 you know, as as you add more uh, more more dice, uh, even if you keep the the maximum uh, uh, result the same, uh, it, it changes the shape of that distribution. So, uh, in, in the the classic D and D example is, uh, do you roll one twelve sided die, one d twelve, or do you roll two d sixes, two six sided dies? And in both cases, you can roll a maximum of of twelve, uh, but the uh, the minimums are different, your average is different, and the distribution curve uh, in, uh, across those is different. And so that has some some interesting game design features. And I, I just think it's it's super cool that you can take two uniform distributions and by adding them together, you get something that looks completely different. Yeah. So I, I think, uh, well, part of this we're going to have to cover later, um, you know, it's related to the... Um, to the normal distribution and also related to um, just summing distributions in general and maybe summing finite distributions. So I'm sure we'll get to that. But I think uh, the core takeaway here is that uh, uniform distributions don't add. Uh, They're not additive. So you don't get another uniform distribution if you add two together, Um, which is, um, uh, which is, uh, I think an important point of intuition building uh, in and of itself. So the, these yeah. are and, and, yeah. and anyone who's played, you know, a game of Monopoly probably has a good sense for that, even if even yeah. if they Snake eyes they wouldn't rare. state it in the abstract. Does something interesting happen in Monopoly when you get two ones? Uh, I I believe do, do doubles let you roll again, but I don't know about do do two ones. No, I think it's if you roll doubles three times, you go to jail, but I don't think Snake Eyes does anything special. It's been a long time since I've played Monopoly, though. Oh, oh, house rules. There are some house rules here. I just searched it. When rolling snake eyes, a player receives $100. Hmm. Okay. I, I, I haven't uh, done a, a assessment on the game theory of Monopoly, but I, I'm told by But in by general, people, there's no special outcome. I, I was, yeah. I, I'm told by people who know Monopoly better oh, but than I do. there are doubles. That, that house rules uh, ruin the game. Ah, that, yeah. That, that probably the reason why everybody hates Monopoly is because you've been playing it with house rules that make it worse. 
Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> I don't think the regular rules, like, I mean, if the regular rules were sufficient, there wouldn't be house rules, would there? Well, so. we, maybe, maybe we need to do a, uh, uh, an experimental exercise in this <laughs> at, at, at the next local maximum game night. Yes, yes, I'm sure. Well, we have our, our, our tech retreat coming up, so maybe we'll give it a try. All right, our 20-minute episode is now 48 minutes, so I think it's time to, uh, to head out. Uh, I, I think we covered it. I don't have any last thoughts. Do you? Yeah, we, we, we covered the news, uh, good and bad, and uh, talked about a cool distribution, so that's a wrap. All right, have a great week, everyone. That's the show. To support The Local Maximum, sign up for exclusive content and their online community at Maximum.Locals.com. The Local Maximum is available wherever podcasts are found. If you want to keep up, remember to subscribe on your podcast app. Also, check out the website with show notes and additional materials at LocalMaxRadio.com. If you want to contact me, the host, send an email to LocalMaxRadio at gmail.com. Have a great week. Feel the power.